Good morning and happy Wednesday for those of you that are new, welcome. And for those of you that are returning, welcome back to the Torque and Thrust Talk Show, episode number nine, Discount or Bankruptcy. My name is Bill, and on today's show, we will talk aviation, gaming, and automotive news, learn industry terms with jargon in a jiffy, help you build a pathway to success with Career Corner, live listener Q&A, and our discussion this week, Black Friday. It's history and our own personal take on the retail holiday. Joining me this week is fellow co-founder of the Three Green Simulations Group and flight sim extraordinaire Tommy D from Level Flight Simulations. Tommy D, how are you doing this morning? Good morning, Bill. Good morning, everyone. I'm doing very, very well. How about yourself? I am doing well as well, I guess. Uh, have As you can tell, I am growing the... Uh, the multiple day off beard. We were talking about this earlier. You can always tell a pilot has multiple days off a long span when we start growing a beard. So is that the same with you, Tommy? Do you start growing stuff out on multiple days off or? Oh yeah. 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 All the time. Right. Like that's just because yeah, shaving, shaving's a chore. I hate to say it. Shaving is in fact a chore. So it is now with the, with the boys being born mm-hmm. almost two months ago. Now I can't believe it's two months. Um, I do tend to shave a little bit more because when mm-hmm. I'm holding them, you know, they got that baby skin, you know, and you know, oh, the first true. Couple of days it's like Brillo. Yeah. So. You don't want to be, yeah. That's the same thing. My wife said it's the, usually the, the first growing in part is a little rough um, is what I've been told. Uh, so I try to warn my wife if I feel like it's going to be like, like you said, rubbing up against a Brillo pad. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. That's a good way. That's a good way of putting it though. That's exactly what it feels like. We're going to start off today with, uh, some news. Uh, so as you guys have been following along, we always start off with some news and today I will start us off with, uh, some aviation news. Uh, first and foremost, we're starting off with this week in aviation history. I am a huge history buff. Uh, if you haven't heard my original podcast, Aviation Communication Education, that's all it was about, was straight-up history. I love history. Um, my wife and I were just talking about this this past day. I just started watching Sons of, An- or Sons of Anarchy, a great TV show. I don't know why I haven't got into it previously, but the first thing I did was look up like the structure of a motor club and all that sort of stuff, so I, I love knowledge. But anyways... I digress. Today, we're talking about This Week in Aviation History, which is the November 30th, 1784 in England. Jean-Pierre Blanchard makes the first scientific observations from above the Earth in a hydrogen balloon over London. Now, if you remember, uh, November 21st uh, of 1783, so almost a year prior, is when the Montgolfier brothers in France had the first free flight untethered in a balloon. Uh, it wasn't the Montgolfier brothers. It was uh, Jean Pilatre de Rosier. Um, but almost a year later, we're, we're having the English starting to take scientific observations above the Earth's surface. That's why that's so significant. Um, now, on to more recent news. Simple Flying, Joshua Kopetsky is the author. Uh, they're talking about severe weather disrupted Thanksgiving week travel. And I know a lot of you are probably like, well, yeah, that's, that's, that's become a norm. But, I mean, this was actually pretty significant. Uh, there was thousands of cancellations due to storm systems uh, in the Rockies and to the east. I think one of the other airports it noted was Wichita, Kansas. Um, but the big thing is is it's affecting a lot more people than in previous years because TSA stats, so that's how we keep track of how many people are going through or traveling is by the number of people that go through security, so through a TSA checkpoint. 
So last year, I believe they said it was like an increase of about 1.7%, um, but last year it was lower. Uh, this year it's an increase, um, and they're est- they were estimating about 2.9 million people traveling home afterwards. So that's why these delays are becoming more significant than they were in the past. It's just they're affecting a lot more people because of the number of people, the volume of people have uh, traveling have increased. Um, the most affected, uh, according to the article, the most affected airport was Denver International Airport with 700 delays and only 15 cancellations, which is good because cancellations means that people didn't get to where they were supposed to be going. Um, and delays just means that they got there a little bit later than normal. It's always better to delay, to delay in my opinion, than cancel because we at least get people going in the right direction. Cancellation means that there's probably people stranded somewhere unfortunately and actually 700 delays it does it does sound like a lot but 700 delays especially with operations in denver i don't have the figure right in front of me um but generally speaking 700 delays is actually not that bad considering the overall uh mass amount of operations that come out of denver uh it's one of united's biggest operational hubs is denver international so that's actually not too bad uh 15 cancellations overall it's not too bad um they also noted i believe that it was wichita had a little higher a little higher percentage of cancellations uh but you got to remember wichita is also a smaller airport and as far as i'm aware it's not a hub or crew domicile for any airline um so they have fewer operations which means that a cancellation would uh, would be a higher percentage because of the fewer operations. It's like to say if I had one out of five flights canceled at a small airport, that's a 20% cancellation rate versus one out of 100 at a bigger airport, which is a 1% cancellation rate. So the numbers, it depends on how many total operations out of there, but they did say that the bigger effect was at a Wichita airport, and that was just because of weather moving through the area. And as I've talked about before, whether it be on videos, lives, and such like that, the weather, in my opinion, in the past year or two years has been the most severe, most drastic I've seen in my entire career. So I think delays like this, especially due to the weather, is something we're going to continue to see, especially with air traffic control shortages shortages, and similar issues affecting the industry. Um, so that is all I got this morning for that, for uh, aviation news. So now we're going to transition over to Tommy D with some gaming news. Tommy, what do you got? Good morning, Bill. Thank you. So with 2023 starting to uh, wind down as we're in the festive season of the year, uh, you're starting to see a lot of the reviews coming out, like what were the best games of 2023. So I started looking into that and got kind of interested in it because when we talk, really, you only hear of Modern Warfare, Flight Sim, um, Roblox, and then the other one that I can't play. I can't remember the name right now. But uh, it's not a game that I'm going to play. It's uh, PUBG. And then the other one that came off of that. So I have a list here of a couple of games that right now, the article in uh, Game Informer was starting to compile their list. And I'm I'm only going to go through the higher um, rated games and you're going to be kind of surprised because I was surprised at this too. Uh, so coming in at 9.75 stars was the legend of Zelda of Zelda tears of the kingdom, Baldur's gate three lies of P and Marvel Spider-Man two and Metroid, which has been around forever. And then resident evil. And it was kind of interesting to see because 
when you look at people who live stream or professional gamers or people who actually make a living off of gaming, which if I would have known about this in the 70s, I may not have taken state EMT exams. Uh, it's games that are almost comparable to an off-Broadway play. You know, the games have become widely popular, especially Legend of Zelda, because the origination of the Legend of Zelda goes back 25 years, you know, and Lies of P, I don't know, but it, it seems to be a lot of role-playing games. The one thing I did look more into was Spider-Man 2. Uh, Marvel, as everyone knows, has gone absolutely ballistic in the movie industry. And what I was looking at in the videos that I was watching that were actually posted on YouTube through this article, the gameplay on this game, I may actually have to finagle things and look at something after the first of the year, depending on what I want to do in 2024. But the animation is great. The story play is great. Uh, I'm not 100% sure if it has multiplayer on it, but it is a best comic book story planted in real life situations. So personal stories and making choices and all stuff like this is, you know, you're running around as Peter Parker and then eventually Spider-Man. Um, it just seems like they put a really, really good package together. Um, a lot of people jumped into this game. I don't know why we see it on the more mainstream gaming on, on the bigger networks, but what I was watching last night, I was pretty impressed. I might actually have to look to this game and I'm not a superhero type of guy. Uh, this is not my normal forte in gaming, but as we go a little bit further into um, the end of the year, if you will, the last quarter, however it is, um, I'm going to watch this game a little bit closer because I see it doing nothing but gaining popularity in 2024. That's just my humble prediction. Um, some of the other games are probably going to come and go. I don't know what their staying power is going to be. Um, some of the article bullet points that I have right here, uh, they're not predicted. In 2024, they're expected to uh, kind of go by the wayside a little bit more and out with the old and in with the new as far as our digital gaming world goes. I'm a huge Marvel fan. Sorry, DC people, but I am a huge Marvel fan. Um, so, and I'm a huge fan. I mean, I think I love Toby Maguire, uh, Andrew Garfield, but I, I really like, uh, what's his name? Tom Holland as the Spider-Man. So his popularity, especially with Zendaya and stuff like that, I think is going to, like you said, is going to, that Spider-Man 2024, I'm actually looking forward to seeing what that is like, you know? And what the cool thing is, is I like this way that you're going with the, the news too, because it's, we can do our own research. We can go get the game and play and then report back. You know what I mean? That's, that's something we can incorporate. Yeah, yeah you see I, where I'm going I, with this already, huh? Yeah, which, I mean, there, there's actually a new uh, game out there that I think you and I need to try. It's called Lethal Company. I don't know if you've seen gameplay on it, um, but it, I think it would be hilarious for you and I to try streaming that. I've seen other people do it, and uh, I, th I think it'd be interesting. So that's something we could definitely look into. Is that a Steam game? Future. Uh, it should be. I'll, I'll let you, I'll text you with a little more details if I can. I gotta find it first. I think it might okay. be on Steam. So, from anyone who maybe have a relative or personally work at Steam, we both have Steam accounts. I'm just throwing that out there. Sponsor us? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be. I mean, I'd be happy with half off in the t-shirt. 
right? Yeah, like really exciting for the gaming future, especially with the new games that are coming out. And Tommy has that new terabyte hard drive on his computer, so we can definitely try some new games. And I can move stuff around as well. And then uh, <laughs> one more gaming news for those of us who are American Truck Simulator fans. And this yes. one I did not research myself. Bill actually had texted me. I want to say it's Tuesday, but tomorrow DLS is being released for ATS. So, DLC. Uh, DLC. DLC. What did I say? Mm-hmm. I DLS. DL- I w- yeah, that was a work thing. We'll just forget I said that. But, um, <laughs> you know, when I get home from visiting the twin grandsons, I will be here like this. Yep. Yep. I am. I have it saved on my wish list. I am going to be streaming it tomorrow when it releases and I get it all downloaded. I'm positioned in Colorado Springs. Well, our our trucking operations is based out of Colorado Springs in the virtual truck simulator. Um, so we're in perfect position to check out Kansas when it comes. Outstanding. So, super excited for that. So definitely check that. We'll be streaming that tomorrow on Twitch, on our Twitch channels, um, respectively. Uh, the new American Truck Simulator DLC. That's a huge thing that we all have been really super excited for. And with that, that's an excellent segment, Tommy Boy, because it is my turn this week to talk a little bit about automotive news. So this week is something I'm actually super excited about. I love cars. I love motorsport, um, even though I'm a pilot. And I saw this article from Motor Trend, and I knew I had to, to share this information with you because it's it's not really funny, but it's interesting news that I found kind of co- comedic in a sense. So this article uh, is from William Irvin Lewis, Lewis, excuse me, which is a staff writer for Motor Trend. Um, the most stolen cars, trucks, and SUVs in America. Uh, this comes from the 2022 National Insurance Crime Bureau. Um, it starts off as the least stolen car for 2022, and it'll work its way up to number one. Uh, the article should have been named the top 10, because that's how they structure the articles. It starts with number 10 and goes up to one, uh, but that's not what the article is called. So number 10 is the Honda CRV. It's a very beloved car uh, at 13,832 thefts reported last year alone. Um, The article went on to say that the 2001 model is the most popular to steal, which I don't know if there's a lot of 2001 models still around, but if there are, be careful if you drive one. Um, And that's just because the the lack of security features. Back in 2001, we weren't worrying about people really stealing our CRVs. So number nine is the GMC Sierra, uh, 16,622 thefts. Uh, specifically the 2005 model. So uh, that's all it said was the 2005 model, whether it was popular because of the style of the truck, if it was a popular truck, or if it's just because of the lack of security systems. Number eight is the Toyota Camry with 17,094 thefts. Now this is where it starts getting interesting because this plays more into the company. So number seven is the Kia Optima, 18,221 thefts last, last year. Uh, Kias became very popular to steal after a viral 2022 TikTok trend. You heard that right. Because of a TikTok trend, the Kia Optima and Kias alike became a target of motor theft. Um, and that's because in these films, there was I think they were called Kia Boys was their TikTok handle. Um, they demonstrated that they could basically hotwire or start a Kia Optima with just a USB cable. So they were, I, I, it didn't really go into explaining how it worked um but basically they would plug it in or short out the ignition or work around the ignition block um or security feature and just would be able to start up and that actually resulted that tiktok trend alone resulted in 14 stolen cars and eight fatalities 
um, which is wild. And you would think Kia's would step in and be like, whoa, okay, we'll fix it. You know, we'll call the vehicles, we'll fix it. But no. Uh, Kia offered a third-party security feature for $170, and this is the best part. Kia did not cover a cent for that 170 bucks, it was all the responsibility of the drivers. If they wanted that installed, they had to pay 170 bucks plus labor. I would be upset if I was a Kia driver, 100%. If I had to pay for a mistake that they made with the design of the car. Now, number six is the Hyundai Elantra, 19,602 thefts last year, and it actually had the same flaw as the previously mentioned Kia. And it failed to have an immobilization device. So if you remember in the older cars, I remember as a kid, there was like this little thing that you could pull out from the, the dashboard, almost looked like a microchip, and basically prevented the car from starting and moving. The Hyundai Elantra, not only you could do the workaround with the USB cable, but also it didn't have an immobilized, uh, immobilization device installed. And the main reason that the Elantra did that or Hyundai did that is to save money, um, obviously, <laughs> but at the risk of your getting your car stolen. Uh which goes to show number five, Hyundai Sonata, 21,707 thefts. Uh, both Hyundai and Kia settled the, or the immobilizer issue with a $200 million settlement, which includes security fixes and only, get this, $6,125 in compensation per vehicle loss. Now, if you've ever uh, tried to buy a Hyundai, they're expensive cars. They're not the cheapest you can get. I mean, you, it's probably the highest value car, in my opinion, that you could get, but if you lose your car because of something stupid like Hyundai and Kia to save money didn't install a mobilization device, uh, you're only getting $6,125 from that uh, <laughs> from that settlement, which is terrible. Absolutely terrible. Uh, number four is the Honda Accord with 27,089 thefts. Um, mainly the article noted that older models just lack security features like an immobilizer. Uh, and then number three was the Honda Civic, 27,113 thefts. And that is m largely because a Honda Civic are widely known or very popular because they are very reliable cars. So the reason they're, the, the article kind of mentioned that they were being stolen is not only were they reliable, the older versions don't have security features like we kind of mentioned with the other cars. But they're just reliable cars. They're good cars. So that's why they're being stolen. Number two, and this makes me kind of upset because this is the type of car that I want, uh, is a Ford F-150. Get this, 48,175 thefts. So the Honda Civic, which was number three, was only at 27. You jump up 20, over 20,000 thefts at 48,175 thefts in 2022. And this is due primarily to its popularity. Ford does make really good trucks. Older models could be stolen relatively easy, uh, but the more recent statistics are due to owners that leave their keyless FOBs in the truck. So everything nowadays is turning into uh, keyless push start ignition. Um, my SUV, my wife's SUV is like that. Um, and I always have to remind myself and her, hey, make sure we don't leave a key fob in there. And that's what's happening is the newer trucks, the more recent ones, they're not necessarily easier to break into. It's just the owners are leaving their keyless fobs in the truck, allowing people to break in and just start the truck. Because the way it works, it's a it's a proximity thing. If you walk away or someone drives off with your car and the, F, uh, the fob is... Uh, you know, let's just say it's 20 feet. It drives outside that 20 foot range. The car will stop. It's it's a anti theft prevention. But if you leave the fob in the car, then it it's you still got to treat it like a key. But that's that's the most recent statistics are because people are leaving their fob keyless fobs in the F 150s. Now, for the king of or queen of the castle here, 
Number one is the Chevy Silverado with 49,903 thefts. Um, I'm not a huge Silverado fan. I honestly don't know why people are. But anyways, it's the first generation of Chevy Silverado was mostly stolen because uh, stolen because there were no security measures. It was there was just not enough to stop people from stealing it. And then the post 2000 facelift. Uh, so the newer looking trucks post 2000. Um, the reason those are being stolen is because they're so popular. And I quote, this is from the article. It's because there is a cult following of the Chevy Silverado, which, in my opinion, Ford F-150 is 10 times better uh, than a Chevy Silverado. Uh, but that's just me personally. But Chevy Silverado takes the cake with 49,903 thefts. So if you own a Chevy Silverado, a Ford F-150, or a Honda Civic, be aware you're in the top three cars that are most likely to get stolen. So lock your doors, get anti-theft devices. And my Midwest folks, if you have a garage, put your car in it. Okay, sorry. That was my uh, <laughs> my one of our <laughs> – it's a Midwest thing apparently, not putting their cars. My truck is going to go in my garage, so we're not going to have that issue. But there's people here in the neighborhood that I live in that park their F-150s out in the un- – unlocked. They forget to lock them, and then they put stuff – in their open truck bed, like just valuable stuff like tools and stuff. And then they get upset when their stuff gets stolen out of their truck bed. It's like, you do realize just because it's in a truck bed doesn't mean it's safe, right? You got to get a lockable cover. Anyways, I digress, but that was, what do you think, Tommy? Did you, have you owned any one of these cars that I mentioned? No, but I've had family that has. That was our long winded automotive news. And now it is time for our, mostly favorite part of the show I, I feel like as we go on each segment of the show is becoming more of a favorite i think they all kind of you know how you're like i have a favorite child and then eventually the entire family group kind of grows on you i think that's kind of what we're going on now but uh still one of my most favorite segments is going to be jargon in a jiffy so jargon in a jiffy um is where tommy and i take our common industry terms with tommy's medical background and safety background and mine being a pilot and we put them in a sentence, and then the other host tries to guess what those that word is. And the whole point is to try to help either Tommy or myself and you all to learn some industry terms so they're not so daunting when you hear them in the real world. So without further ado, we'll let Tommy start it off here. So Tommy's going to say his word and then in a sentence, and then I'm going to try my best to understand or try to figure out what he's talking about. So Tommy, take it away. Oh, here we go. This is a good one, too. I thought long and hard about this one. Uh-oh. So my okay. my word this week is auscultate. Huh? Auscultate. <laughs> so the sentence is, uh, this guy's chest is rattling. I'm going to have to auscultate it. His chest is rattling? His chest is rattling. What the heck does that mean? What? <laughs> huh? You hear um, almost like while they're breathing. So it's rat. So it's. The lungs are actually rattling. What the heck causes that? Okay, um, so I'm assuming this is from your EMS career, right? This is not yes, from your current yes. safety career. Okay, so I can hear him rattling. A, a, how do you pronounce it? Oscultate. Oscultate. Um, dang. Uh, does that have to do with stabilization, like physical stabilization? of? No, no it does not. No. Does it have to do with intubation? Anything to do with intubation? Oh, it may very well result in intubation, yes. It may result in it? Uh, is it a procedure? Like, is it a medical procedure? 
I know that's a stupid question, but I'm trying to do not, it. No, it's not a stupid question at all. It's it's not a procedure, but it is part of my assessment. It's part of your assessment. Okay. Yes. Is that listening? Are it you taking most certainly your... is. So a, a, I, I don't know the exact definition, but are you listening for breath sounds? To yes. See? Cause, that, that's cause exactly you can it. Hear... Okay, because you can hear fluid, right, in their lungs. Oh, stuff yeah, like that. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. You only use the word oscotate when you're in training. You never – it's not one of those words that's used in you the use field. that on the line. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't. Uh, you know, they, yo, Bill, did you listen to this guy's chest? Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, that, that's saying, how it is. Did you oscotate him? <laughs> yeah, no, that just don't happen. But Tommy, we can't do we, that in the field. No. <laughs> right? We listen certain parts of the lungs, okay. and we listen to all different fields because the lungs have – uh, different fields in them. You have upper, middle, and lower okay. on your left side and upper and lower on your right side. There's no middle classification okay. in your okay. lungs. I'm sorry that reversed that because of the heart. Okay. So, gotcha. yeah, and we listen for a different, a couple of different things. Now, all of us have seen TV commercials or may even know, have friends or family members that have COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Mm-hmm. And you've heard the uh, term death rattle. That's yeah. fluid and mucus back up in your lungs that are actually causing that rattling noise in the mucosa and the, and the actual airways inside the lungs. Okay. Anything so next else, time I go to my, know? my aviation, aviation medical and they're, they're listening for, cause they do that. They, they listen. I'm just like, hey, Oh yeah. Are you, uh, uh, escalating me? Uh, are you, are you auscultating me? And he's going to be, he's going to look at you and be like, all right, who do you know? That That's not a <laughs> word that's, <laughs> You know, like, that, that's one like, of those. Hey, have you watched the Torque and Thrust talk show? <laughs> there you go. There we go. Get us out there to the AME community. There you go. My word for jargon on the Jiffy uh, today is going to be linies. Okay. The sentence is, oh, we're coming over the Rocky Mountains. There's a couple linies. Uh, we're probably going to have to ask for right 15 degrees. And I did intentionally make that vague because I had to be very careful if I <laughs> if I said too much, too specifically. Huh? It, it might give away the answer. Does it have coming to do with over... obstructions? Because coming over the Rockies, you're, you're actually... Um, no, it, it's not a physical terrain feature, if that's what you're asking. Okay, it's not it, that. Yeah, that's what I was asking. Yeah. Is it a weather, something to do it, with the weather in front of... It, in your meter, flight path, I should say. It's a meteorological... Uh, it is a meteorological, not phenomenon, but it's a meteorology thing. Yeah, so you're on the right track. It has to do with meteorology. Is it a cloud formation that I don't know? Remember from ground school? Okay, yeah, you're, it's a type of cloud. That okay. Just gave away. I, I don't know if I just gave it away, but keep going. <laughs> it's a specific type of cloud. <laughs> you're getting close. You're on the right track. I wasn't sure if I just Is gave it, it away or not. No, no, you didn't because now I'm like, oh, yeah. So oh, think about man. the name, Linnies, right? Linnies. What so it's, I'm, I'm thinking linear clouds. Cl- close not linear you got like the first syllable right so you got what was the first syllable of linear sorry now we're going to grammar school sorry i'm saying it's not a tangent today just remember new york city school system here (laughs) i'm I'm working with you tommy i'm working with you i'm working with you so lin right so go off lin so the first syllable is like lin so linies is like jargon for this type of cloud it's not the official name it's what we call it storm clouds Kind of. They can be associated with storm clouds, but they're not inclusive of each other. Lenticular? Lenticular? Lenticular. Are you stumped? Do you want me to explain it? Or do you want yeah, to... yeah. Okay. I, I don't got a so, white flag to wave here. Yeah. So, linies are lenticular clouds. So, lenticular clouds 
are usually also they can I guess they can be called cap clouds, but not really. Caps clouds have to do with rotating or forming on top of a mountain or a terrain feature. Um, but a lenticular cloud is denoted by its very smooth lenticular shape. It looks like a lens. So they're really round on the top. You'll see them over mountain peaks, terrain features, or over the top of thunderstorms. So at the very top, you'll see them. Now, the reason why they're important is because those often are a sign of bad turbulence, rough rides, like really bad rough rides. So, gotcha. Linnies, that was a good one. Cloud. All right, and that should transition us into career corner. So career corner is where Tommy and I talk about the building blocks to becoming a professional in our career field. So Tommy was an EMT for how long, Tommy? 32 years. years. Well, I still am current. I need it for my current job, but... True, I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't mean to... EMT for 32 years. For 32 years and currently certified and current as one um, and a current safety specialist. I am an airline pilot. Uh, I have been for seven years. Uh, or coming up on seven years, I should say six and a half. Some people get real antsy with that but six and a half coming on seven years um so we just talk about the building blocks to get you to where we are if you are interested in our career field so up first is gonna be tommy he's gonna be talking about emt week number six which is cpr class and clinicals all you tommy thank you thank you thank you so hello everybody welcome to stressful week number six and this is a stressful week some emt classes do it a little bit earlier the latest i've ever seen it is week six this is where you go through usually the American Heart Association CPR class, specifically what we call BCLS, basic cardiac life support. And there's a lot of other stuff now that has been compounded into the class over the years that I've seen it, that I've had to instruct because I am a state certified EMS instructor in multiple states. My CPR instructor is total and separate. It, I had to get that through the American heart and I have to renew that every two years. So here is the bad part about CPR. You get two tries. You watch the class, you watch the DVD. Now, you know, as it goes years ago, I used to lecture out of a, uh, a binder or a textbook for those of us who remember those now everything digital, you just basically hit play and they watch the 40 minute video, 35 minute video. And then take a 20 question multiple choice test. I have never ever seen a student booted from a class because they failed CPR. The, the material is again dry, but uh, it's very straightforward. And literally the questions are just about verbatim from the lecture or from the video nowadays. You know, we'll start it on Monday of week six. You're testing out Friday, and that's all we're going to do. We're actually going to stop your other skill stations just to focus on CPR. Very, very short again this week because it's really a course within the course, the American Heart CPR. So, and that's what we concentrate on week six. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you, Tommy. So week six is building off of the other weeks still, but uh, learning a little bit about CPR and such. And now we're going to talk a little bit about excuse me there uh we're going to be talking a little bit about uh the next step in your all's aviation career so in the past we talked about uh starting off with a discovery flight that was step number one figure out whether or not it's something that you want to do the next step was getting your private pilot license uh which is the first license you have to get then your instrument rating slash commercial time building getting your single engine commercial multi-engine commercial 
um, and then becoming a certified flight instructor to build time. And now you're at the point where you're either hitting your 1,000-hour, 1,200-hour, 1,500-hour ATB time requirements. Now it's time for an airline interview. It's time to take a step into either an airline pilot or professional. Now, I have said in the past on the podcast, you know, professional airline, but this is where it's going to kind of diverge because I've only ever done the airlines. And to speak on the other airlines or other pathways, I really don't know too much about. So that may be something in the future. We may have a guest on to explain it more from the part 135 charter side of things. So now we're going to diverge more onto the airline stuff because that is something that I have experienced I know more about. So with that being said, so now we're in the airline interview phase. So this generally starts when you're about six to 12 months out from your ATP minimums. Now, if you're like me, I was tracking those things every day because there's a lot of weird, not weird, but obscure minimums you have to keep track of like nighttime PIC cross country. It's just like, it's weird times that you don't normally log, but that you have to do math and arithmetic to figure out to make sure you got those minimums. Um, the reason I say six to 12 months out from making ATP minimums, the CJO or conditional job offer, which I'll go over here in a second. Um, a lot of times are good for six to 12 months and they will, airlines will interview you that far out, which is extreme, which is awesome because you get your foot in the door pretty early on. That's what I did. And I'll go over that in a second. But so the first step is about six to 12 months out from making your ATP requirements. So whether you're restricted ATP, 1000 hour restricted ATP, 1200 hour or normal ATP, 1500 hours total time, that's when you should start like sending out your applications. And I want to emphasize that is you're for sure six months out. You don't want to ever have a CGO rescinded because you didn't make the time. So just make sure you're, you're reaching those minimums is imminent within six to 12 months. Um, Next thing is have a aviation specific resume ready. Ready. It's a one page thing that highlights you know total time, uh, PIC time, turbine time if you got it, but just very specific to the point uh, resume to get their attention on that first page. Uh, next thing is be 100% honest on your application. I'm giving you kind of tips here. Be 100% honest on your application. One of the biggest things that, that catches up to pilots um, is not being honest and then finding out once you're in class and you've already resigned from your flight school or your previous job that you lied or weren't fully honest on your application and then you get kicked out. And now that's on your record. Um, the next thing is invest in interview prep if you know you need it. So for example, um, I grew up doing speech and debate, science projects, public speaking. I've personally never had an issue with interviews in terms of being able, feeling comfortable with them. Uh, with my current major airline, I did do interview prep because I did not want to leave anything to chance. I, I didn't want to screw up because this is the airline I work for right now is my dream airline that I've always wanted to work for. Uh, but for my regional airline, I didn't use it. I just, I found the gouge online, which a gouge is, you can search, you know, uh, this regional airline gouge or interview gouge, and it'll tell you basically what to expect on the interview. Um, so if you do need it, if you're someone who does need practice interviewing, uh, definitely invest in some interview prep. Uh, next tip is dress to impress. Uh, don't show up in t-shirts and, and cargo shorts. Uh, dress up nice um, at minimum, minimum slacks, button down and a tie at a minimum. Um, you can go full out like me and I wore a full suit. When I interviewed for my major airline, I was in a full suit. I actually bought a whole new suit for it. It's the nicest suit I've ever owned. So just dress to impress, dress for the job that you want, not the job that you have. Okay. So just don't just show up like what I'm wearing right now. Don't show up like this. This is not good for an interview. Minimum tie, button down shirt, slacks and dress shoes. Minimum. Um, now what you can expect in the actual airline interview is the first it's, it, there's no specific order necessarily uh that you're gonna find this interview sometimes they do tech portions or the hr portion 
first. It just depends on who's available and the cycle that you're in. So there is going to be an HR portion, which are the HR questions. So why this company? Um, what makes you special? A lot of airline interviews will have tell me about a time uh, questions. So tell me about a time you went above and beyond uh, your required duties or tell me about a time you had a conflict with a coworker and how you resolved it. And they want you to explain in a short, brief, direct way, less than five minutes on um, what happened, what the conflict was, what actions you took to resolve it, and what ultimately the resolution was. Um, for me, in my interview prep, uh, especially for my current airline, it was difficult because I had five years of airline experience. Um, so the hardest part was sitting down for each individual, tell me about a time topic I could be asked about or question I could be asked, was sitting there trying to figure out a story that fit that and a, a genuine story that fit that as well as made me look good. Because uh, I obviously didn't want to, to present a story if there was one, which there isn't one. I hate to break it to you. Um, that did made me look bad because that obviously you don't want to do that in an interview. But that's basically what HR portion is. It's the the human factor side of thing. Now, as a pilot, then you'll move over to a technical portion. This is something that most other jobs may not have. This is they're testing your base knowledge about the airline. Now, when you go into your regional airline, um, like for me, I got quizzed on Jep charts, Jeppesen charts. I, I, I didn't fly with Jeppesen charts, so I had to go look online for a uh, Jeppesen legend and just study off of that and hope that there wasn't anything weird on the interview process other than that. Um, so that's what I would recommend. Get a Jeps, uh, if you can find Jep charts, I w- they're kind of expensive, but if you can find old Jep charts and a legend to go through and test, that's mainly what they're doing. And the tech is just trying to test to make sure that you have a baseline knowledge of aviation and like instrument flying and stuff like that to build on. They're, they're not going to expect you to know everything, but they want to see what you know. And that's what the technical portion is. Um, there also will, most likely nowadays will be some sort of scenario-based question. Uh, for example, with my current airline, uh, we did a simulated flight from point A to point B. Somewhere between point A to point B, there was a small malfunction. Uh, we ran an appropriate checklist, and they wanted to see my decision-making, um, and then as well as ask me questions about charts and procedures uh, based off my airline experience and so on and so forth. So you're going to have an HR portion, which is probably something that you're used to in any job, asking you, why us? Uh, what's special about you? Tell me about a time stuff. And then you have your technical portion, which is more aviation-specific about your knowledge, your aeronautical knowledge, basically. Then once that's done, uh, you'll get a offer of an employment. Uh, basically, that's just saying, hey, you did good on the interview. But then there is a review board made up of captains and company personnel that'll sit there and review your file to make sure that, yes, you are good for the company that they want you. Once they give you the thumbs up, then you'll get what's called a conditional job offer or CJO is what we call it. And that's just basically saying, hey, congratulations. Uh, here's a conditional job offer. As long as you meet these conditions, uh, we'll give you a class date. And then you go from there. And that's the next step is after your CGO, you schedule your class date and then welcome to the big leagues. That's uh, that was the best feeling in the world is walking through the doors at Envoy and realizing that I was finally uh, an airline pilot. Uh, for some of you, that may be what you're aiming for. For others, it may be walking through the charter company of your choice. Um, but either way, that's that's where you kind of end uh, your airline interview is when you finally get through the door. So it is a bit of a process that starts about six to 12 months out from making your ATP minimums and then ends with your CGO and class date. So um, like I said, airline interview, that part is pretty much the same no matter what level you're doing. Uh, but just if you do those things, those tips, it should be pretty straightforward for you all there. So um, 
All right, so that concludes Career Corner, and now we're going to be going over to our viewer Q&A, our live listener Q&A. Just as a reminder, if you all have questions, which I already see some in the TikTok live uh, session here, if you guys have questions, now would be the time to ask them. Um, I'll be answering some. Tommy will be answering some. Or if you have questions after the fact, join our Discord at uh, the Three Green Simulations group here. I'll put up a little QR code for you all. Um, join there, and there's a specific channel for questions under the TNT talk show category you can go for either discussion topics if there's a specific topic you want us to talk about like at the end of the show or if you have questions you can always throw them in there and we can use that as a way to answer your question on a live show I do have one from KB bar or KB Brar on uh, TikTok live he's saying I had four failures in private and instrument what would happen to me in the interview um KB, dependent on the reason of your failures, it, it has to do a lot with why you failed. Um, and if it was like practical versus knowledge, etc. cetera, um, definitely be honest, uh, be forthcoming with those. Because obviously if they're part 61 failures, they're going to be on your record and the airline will figure it out or find out otherwise. Uh, oh, he said private and instrument. Okay. Um, just be forthcoming. Tell them what's happening. Um, and... If you get an interview, because that is kind of a high failure rate, uh, but if you do get an interview, be prepared to answer questions honestly and objectively about what happened on those check rides. What they're looking for is someone who doesn't turn and blame everything else on the examiner, on the airplane, because if you're having struggles in the airline training course, which I'll be talking about next week, the start of it, um, a lot of it is self-studying and being able to critique yourself and push forward through training and self, uh, practice yourself. It's not There's not a lot of hand-holding in the airline training environment. It's a lot of, hey, this is what you need to fix. The next morning, you're back in you know, within 24 hours, and it should be fixed. And that is all I got on uh, TikTok. If, Tommy, if you want to – do you have any questions on your side? No, I don't, but Scott was trying to help me <clears throat> with jogging in a jiffy. Shout out to Scott. Scott is a, uh, one of the mo- a very loyal watcher of the show, which – a huge shout out, and I believe he's a professional driver. Is that correct right now? Yeah, he is Looking a professional driver his, who also has his PPL. His PPL. So huge shout out to him. I think he's been here for most of our shows. I know he was here for the uh, the all the ones that I remember because yeah, I wasn't so, here episode one, but I remember him from episode two. Yeah. So like Scott, uh, Snowy, Lando, which is one of our moderators. Snowy is one of our moderators. Riley, thank you guys all, and Heidi, hello there. Uh, thank you guys all for joining us and being. You know, loyal listeners and watchers, this is you guys are the reasons why we do what we do. That will transition us uh, to our discussion topic for today, um, or this week, I should say, is Black Friday. Um, Tommy and I sat down and talked about these uh, traditions and stuff that we talked about, uh, just kind of like the Christmas one, Jingle or Not to Jingle, which I believe was episode six we talked about, is our traditions are kind of different. So... We're going to be discussing a little bit about that today, um, and actually, I'm going to start this one off. I normally allow Tommy to start, but I just want to I want to ask Tommy, because this is something that I was wrong about for the longest time, too, but Tommy, where do you think the term Black Friday comes from? What, what were you told growing up? Was the Believe it or not, as I was growing up, uh, Black Friday wasn't really a thing in my family. I didn't but I mean, really... But I mean the, the term, specifically the term. The term like itself? Have, were you ever uh, told its origins or where? No, no nothing of the from? nature. If I was to hazard a guess, it's like, you know, when you black out dates, you know, like you can't take vacation from this date to this date. And it's, you know, termed a blackout date. So like maybe it, it's a blackout date for amazing shopping deals. I've actually never heard that one before. 
So, uh, growing up, and this is why I'm talking about because I was wrong too. Not wrong, but the origin's a little bit different than what I thought. Um, that's a good one. I've actually never heard of that one, Tommy. Um, the, what I thought and always thought growing up and was told is this is the time of year that corporate or businesses turn a profit, right? Because of the, the, the shopping season. So, when they're in debt, they're in red. If they're in uh, profit or they're making profits in their ledgers, they used to make it in black ink. Right. And so because they were in the black ink around this time of year, they were able to sell things stock at a discounted price because they were in the black. Well, that's that kind of makes sense. Right. And that's and that's a common thing that um, has been told. Right. That's exact. But believe it or not, it has nothing to do with it. You ready for this? Actually, the origin has nothing to do with Thanksgiving at all. OK. So and this is and this is coming from History Channel. So history.com or history channel. So it's a legit source. And I was flabbergasted when I learned this. I thought I knew, I thought that was it. I thought that was the answer was because businesses were in the black. So the first recorded use of the term Black Friday was applied not to post Thanksgiving, um, but actually to a financial crisis, specifically the crash of the U.S. gold market on September 24th, 1869. Uh, Two notoriously ruthless Wall Street financiers, Jay Gould and Jim Fisk, they worked together to buy up as uh, as much gold as they could because if you're familiar with supply and demand, um, the less of a supply, the higher the demand raises the price point, right? So what Fisk and Gold were trying to do was trying to buy up all the nation's gold because at the time there was no gold, silver, credit. It was Everything was the gold standard. So what they were trying to do is try to control the supply by buying up all the gold and – when it got to a point where the prices were high, then they were just going to sell it and make as much money as they could. So they were trying to control the supply, which sounds a lot like, hmm, I don't know, the gas companies. Um, Mm -hmm. But anyways, once again, another subject for another day. But get this. So their plan actually backfired. So on that Friday, September 24th of 1869, this is where the Friday part, Black Friday, comes from, the conspiracy finally unraveled, and they sent the stock markets into freefall, and it bankrupted everybody from like Wall Street financiers or whatever they're called, Wall Street barons, to farmers. I mean, just completely bankrupt everybody because the fact that they did that. Um, so that is why this episode is called "Discount or Bankruptcy." That's that's <laughs> that's where the the name. Came I from. see what you did there. You, you see that? Okay, but that's what it's that's that's the first recorded term. Of Black Friday is because of the stock market crash in 1869 because of these two greedy guys, Gould and Fisk, right? Now, how now how we wonder how does it get to Thanksgiving? Well, back in the 1950s, from Philadelphia, right, of all places, Philadelphia. So every Saturday after Thanksgiving, they host the uh, I think it's the Commander in Chiefs Bowl between the or if not just the Army v Navy game, right? That's huge. Go Navy beat Army. Mm-hmm. Um, so people would come in from the suburbs into Philly, like tons of them for this game. Right. And the police officers would have to deal with like riot control. There was increased level of theft and stuff like that. So, and the police, uh, the police officers couldn't get the, the day off because every Saturday or the Friday following Thanksgiving, all these people would come in. So they would call it black Friday because it was more of a negative connotation because of all the extra work that they would have to do on top of that. To maintain crowds and deal with the additional theft, they called it Black Friday. So that's how it got moved to Thanksgiving because the Saturday following Thanksgiving is the Army v. Navy game. It always has been. 
So, with that being said, in the 1960s, um, Black Friday had caught on in Philadelphia to the extent that city merchants were trying to change that into something like Black Friday. They called it Big Friday. But guess what? That didn't stick, right? Because everybody loves the negative connotation. Um, So, it actually wasn't until 1985 where um, retailers were found a way to turn it into this Black Friday that we know today. So it wasn't until 1985 that the stores turned this into like a huge discount thing. So it turned it from a negative connotation from the Philadelphia Police Department and turned it into something as like a discount thing. So it has nothing to do with companies being in the black uh, financially. Um, has nothing to do with people blacking out calendar dates. Has nothing to do with retailers in general. It, just, it has to do with a bankruptcy and a slang used by Philadelphia Police Department uh to describe a Friday where they couldn't get off after Thanksgiving because of the masses that came into the town. That's very interesting. That's kind of like the historical stuff with career or uh, sorry, with the, uh, with black Friday. But Tommy, I want to ask you, did you have you, do you have any specific like traditions that you do for, for black Friday? No, no. Do you ever no, participate or is it more? I, I have in years past to uh, go get something, that I really wanted because mm-hmm. uh, there, there was a time when I was of working age where mm-hmm. I didn't have the internet to do black Friday shopping. Like, you know, I'd yeah, sit there. That's true. And I, you know, you would have to watch everything on the Sunday paper. Yep. You know, cause they would advertise for a couple of weeks before the actual date. And then, you know, you go into the wrestling match known as the store and, <laughs> you know, try getting what you want. And it was, um, a lot different then. And I did go out a couple of times, you know, like clothes and let's face it as a teenager where I grew up, your sneakers pretty much defined who you were and yep. things like that. Uh, but since the advent of the internet and the way that that has essentially taken over the world, I yep. do what pretty much everyone else does and just kind of chill in my living room and digitally yep. shop. Yeah. So I growing up, I didn't really do a lot of black Friday stuff. Um, I honestly don't remember growing up with my parents going, Oh, we're going to go to, you know, Walmart at like midnight. Right. Um, I, th- my parents may have bought stuff on discount, but we weren't big shoppers. I mean, both my parents were high school math educators, so we weren't like the bougiest, right? Because it just, that's teachers don't get paid enough period. There is no argument. They don't get paid enough for what they do. Once again, put a pin in it for another episode. Yeah. Um, so I don't remember. It wasn't until I was in college, and my wife's gonna kill me when she. It's uh, a girl I dated at the time in college. Um, I did Thanksgiving. My first Thanksgiving in Florida was with her family, and right after Thanksgiving dinner, they like cleared the table and uh, threw all the ads right from the paper on the table, and we went through and we found and circled the stuff that we wanted to go get or tried to get because at the time things weren't opening. It was still midnight was like when they opened, they would do those midnight openings for black Friday versus like mm-hmm. a week long black Friday stuff. Um, and so we would, we'd go through and do that, which was strange because I'd never done that before, but I will say that was, that was fun. It was a lot of fun doing that because it was like, Ooh, I want this. I want this. And it, we didn't do it as a family. We all went our separate ways. The girl and I, that I was dating at the time, we went in her car or uh, yeah, her car, or with her, I can't remember. If her, I think we went with her parents, um, and we we did off. Her brothers did something else, 
and like ran off and got their stuff. But we were there at midnight getting you know getting pushed through door and that was another thing is it's, it was wild back then like i remember a story um in west palm beach where um i think it was a best buy someone got someone pepper sprayed everybody do you remember that or they pepper sprayed everybody in the line so they can jump in front of people to go grab something i, I mean i didn't hear of that specific incident but uh it Maybe doesn't it wasn't surprise west palm. me that something like that happened but so it was wild. It was extremely wild. So it, it was interesting when I was younger and new to it. Um, but as I got older, like you said, I'm more of a sit-at-home type of guy and stuff. Which being said, so I too don't really have any specific Black Friday traditions. It's just I kind of look, and if there's good deals on, you know, if there's something specific I want, like a GoPro, then I'll sit on a deal and try to see if I can get a good deal. But other than that, there's really no big tradition. In fact, this last black friday i was actually home for um and my wife and i weren't really planning on going black friday shopping but we do have a cruise coming up in march and i was there were some things that we needed like we needed bigger suitcases uh we needed like i know it sounds silly but water bottle holders because i I explained it to tommy royal caribbean when you get the drink package gives you like a little thermos but there's no hook there's no strap and you're forced to carry that around the ship if you want any sort of soda package so it's really annoying trying to hold on to that thing while you're running around so they have water bottle holders with like a little cell phone holder and stuff like that so we found those um so my wife and i were like you know what let's try to go get some deals and stuff like that everything was going great until we got to target um and it was just absolutely crowded just and i'm not i don't mind crowded places i work in airports it's just lack of consideration is what kills me like inconsiderate people so you know you're in a very crowded area. The amount of people that I've like pushing carts and families that would just stop dead center in one of the main thoroughfare aisles. Like they're not even down. I understand going down an aisle, but when you're down like one of the main strips or aisles where it's meant to move people and you just stop with your family of 16 in the middle and completely clog up, you know, the 30 people that are behind me or the people that I saw, I witnessed people fighting over electronics and stuff like that. So I told my wife, I said, I know where we need to go. I know what we need. You know, target, Tell me where to go, and we'll go try to find the stuff. And we did get some good deals. We did. But it was, just, it was overwhelming with the amount of people that were there. And just, like I said, inconsiderate people. And Tommy and I kind of were talking about this in the pre-show. People, and I don't know what's changed, to be completely honest, but people are way more inconsiderate than, say, a decade ago. You know, the, Yo, the love for your two, fellow... Even two years ago. Yeah, the love for your fellow human being has gone out the door. Like, the, the thought of this may inconvenience or hurt somebody else is just not in it. anybody. that's the way I think, you know, like when I'm going down an aisle and I, I stop while we're looking at something, I pull all the way over with my cart to make sure that anybody that needs to go by can come by. And my, my job as the cart driver, cause that's what I do when we go shopping um, is my head's on a swivel. And if I need to get out of the way, I can get out of the way. You know what I mean? I'm trying to make myself as little of an inconvenience to other people as possible, but that's not the mindset of anybody anymore. So, so it was a successful Black Friday shopping experience, um, but the human interaction part, and this makes me sound really introverted, and I swear I'm not. I'm an extrovert type of person. It's just, it's it's a pain in the butt when people are extremely rude to other people. So, but I don't know. I, I digress. You know, that's a, we talked about etiquette in uh, Part and Moi, episode number seven. It, it's kind of along the same lines, being considered to others. It costs you nothing to be a decent human being. I, so, I'm funny that that's what popped in the that popped into my mind as you were saying that. 
Yeah, and it really doesn't. Just be love your fellow human being. It's, it's, it's as simple as it is. Regardless of who they are, regardless of what they look like, just love one another. And God, that would solve so many problems yeah, it really, it in this really world. It's not hard to do the right thing. It's not. It's really not. So just keep that in mind over the holidays, uh, especially because everywhere is going to be busy from here until Christmas. So, you know, just be considerate. You know, if you're if you have your shopping cart, pull off to the side a little bit. You know, make sure that you're not blocking people behind you. If someone drops something or need help with something, ask them if you can help. Just don't be afraid to reach out and be a decent human being because it costs you zero dollars. And guess what? You don't pay taxes on it either. So it's it's a it's <laughs> one something of the few free. things. One of the few things in this life as an adult is you don't have to pay taxes on is being kind. So just just keep that in mind with the holidays coming forward. Not you, Tommy, but to everybody who's listening or will be listening to our podcast. Well, that concludes episode number nine, uh, Discount or Bankruptcy. And we do thank you all for joining us. Uh, those of you that join us on uh, Twitch and YouTube as well and TikTok Live. If you do want to stay up to date with us and the show uh, with industry news and stuff, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Torque and Thrust Talk Show. It's scrolling down beneath us on the ticker tape. Uh, for those of you listening, that is at Torque, the letter N Thrust T S, Torque and Thrust Talk Show. Um, if you like to save the show for on the go entertainment and news, follow and turn on notifications on the talk show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Uh, feel free to follow me on YouTube, Twitch, and TikTok at Captain Bill Official, and also Tommy as well on those three platforms at Level Flight Simulations. Uh, we'll be live on YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter next week on Saturday, December 9th. That's right. Next week, next month is going to be all Saturdays, so if you couldn't make it because it was during the week, next month will be all Saturdays. Uh, so December 9th, 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern, and Tommy and I will be discussing our favorite seasons of the year. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the Torque and Thrust talk show, I am Bill. I am Tommy. And we will see you next week on Saturday. Everybody have a great day.